Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Hi, this is Ben Mackay from the North Melbourne Footy Club and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos podcast. Here is your host, Dean. Thank you, Ben Mackay. Welcome to my second podcast for the evening and welcome to another episode. If this is your first time listening to the show, then welcome. My name is Dean Vasic and you can find me on Twitter at hashtag kangaroos or on Instagram at hashtag kangaroos podcast. So I'm back tonight uh, after a couple of hours off with the most passionate and lovely female supporters of the club in former North Talk regulars, Marnie Cohen and Siobhan Rowe. Uh, we discussed the Taron Thomas news um, with them, how we got screwed and their thoughts on the umpiring last Friday. Talked about certain players, so let's not waste time and bring on the girls right now. So, Marnie and Siobhan, welcome back and back together as well. I know this show will be very well received. A lot of good things and positive feedback for you girls when you have been on the last couple of weeks. Thought I'd start with that little boost to your ego. I feel like I've got the LDU and Harry Shears on my pod tonight. Um, let's start with you, Siobhan. Taron Thomas, I believe he got told a few days ago that he could come back to the club or was close to it. That was reported by Mitch Cleary. Um, And now we have another incident where he posted himself driving a car with his feet up on the dashboard. You've been very vocal about this on Twitter, and clearly he can't keep himself out of trouble. Uh, What do you think we should do with him? Because at the moment, he's causing massive headaches to coaches, players and supporters like yourself. Yeah, um, look, it's a it's an issue that I feel pretty strongly about. Um, the moment that I think all the allegations came out, I was pretty strong on the club making a stance against it. Um, I I did find all of that stuff abhorrent, and then the fact that there continues to be spot fires everywhere, um, it just doesn't really seem like he's learning his lesson. And I think the really frustrating part is he's got so many resources around him at the moment, and I'm sure um, the club, the AFL, are doing their best to try and rehabilitate him um, and get him back on track with his life, not just his football. And it doesn't seem that he's making any progress in that area. Um, I think the video was really disturbing. Um, Certainly, uh, I mean, the way he was driving was very dangerous, but more the fact that he actually posted it to social media um, and the rap sheet is now starting to get significantly longer and longer. Um, I don't understand why he he actually continues to post these things, why he, from the outside looking in, it looks like he's not taking any of the um, programs the club have actually set for him seriously. Um, And to be honest, I actually think it's at the point where our club are doing such wonderful things at the moment. I mean, we'll, we'll touch on the Good Friday game clearly. And that was another really um, heartening performance from the side. But every time there's good, good media and good press around our footy club, he just seems to pop up and go, actually, no, you know, like I'm going to bring us back to the, the dark ages of of the, the horrors of, of North Melbourne of recent years. And I just think I, I don't understand um, how it's got to this point really. Um, and I, I know people argue that he needs to be around the club and around the, the people that um, are providing support. I think that can actually happen, but in a way where he's also not um, playing for our footy club or on our list anymore. Um, I know that probably sounds harsh but enough's enough and and it just continues to detract from the great things the club's doing um and i i personally don't want someone like that um associated with the north Melbourne football club any longer no all fair points um 
Oh, there, Siobhan. Um, I, I agree with a lot of it. Uh, he is causing a lot of distractions, and we have we are performing on the field this year. I mean, we have been competitive the first four games, which is you know come a long way since uh, you know two thousand. You know, for the last three years we've been eighteenth, eighteenth, seventeenth. We've barely won a game. I think at the start of the year we won was eight out of the last sixty-two games. So, yeah, it is taking a you know it is uh, causing a big distraction um, to to the place, and yeah, unnecessary media. Um, that we don't want. Uh, Marnie, Mitch Cleary reported tonight that he could come back to the club within the next week. I would find that extraordinary if that happened. What, what do you think? Yeah, I don't. he doesn't look to me like he'd be ready to come back uh, in a month's time at this rate, let alone um, within the next week. To me personally, he says that he's, you know, made a lot of progress and, and all that sort of thing. But from an outsider looking in, it doesn't look like he's really made any progress. Like these things continuously happen time and time and time again. It's just at the point now where it's exhausting and it's just really disappointing. And it's really disappointing that we're at the point now where the AFL have to step in. And Gil McLaughlin said today, you know, that either he cleans up his act or he's gone for good. And, you know, I mean, the fact that it's getting to that point is just, it's so disappointing. I don't really know, like, what else to say. I mean, on the flip side, you know, as Siobhan said, you do need to support him and you probably do need to kind of give him a place to go and to try and get help because clearly he's struggling with whatever he's going through. And, you know, it, he clearly needs some help. But how many chances can you give somebody when clearly... He's made no progress. Like, I don't, his words and his actions don't marry up. And if I was in his position, po- posting videos of yourself on social. Oh, I think you've just cut out there, Marnie. Um, yeah, no, all fair points again. Now, I don't know. Uh, we'll go to you, Siobhan. Now, did you watch the interview? Uh, Marnie's cut out. Um, you obviously watched the interview tonight. Um there's no apology uh, about his actions or anything like that. Is he just completely ignorant to what's going on around him at the moment, do you think? It comes across that way. And I did watch the clip and I just thought to myself, like, have you really, you know, tried to change? Have you really um, appreciated the club continually going out on a limb for you? Because your actions look completely different to what you're saying to the media. Um, I agree with Marnie in that I don't think he's anywhere near um, well enough or rehabilitated enough to actually go to the club. I actually think that'll be... um, a distraction for the players and for the environment we've created. I'm not sure whether a lot of players will actually be happy to see him back, to be really honest with you. Um, but, the, yeah, the, the interview was a little strange to me. I just thought um, I don't know whether or not his words are really um, – his actions are really reflecting his words. No, and, and that's that's the issue. He seems to be talking about uh, – yeah, he can't wait to catch up with his mates. Um, but, um, yeah, like, where's the apology? Where, there doesn't seem to be any remorse for his actions. I mean, it, to drive with your, you know, your feet up on the dashboard is just – you know, and just weaving all over the road. Um, welcome back, Marnie. Um, yeah, to just drive – yeah, like I was saying, to drive with your feet up on the dashboard, that is seriously dangerous. Uh, it's stupidity and he just – the only thing that he's remorseful for was that uh, he sent it to 12 people instead of just the one he was supposed – one person he was supposed to send it to, which is, yeah, another stupid you – know, you know, it's just – I'm actually lost for words, to be honest with you. So I'm not too sure where the club goes with this uh, from now on. Um, maybe they – they haven't come out with any statement, um, not that I know of. Um, 
but uh, we'll move on. So, yeah, no, that's all you can do at this stage. It seems like uh, you girls are very frustrated with him, which is uh, fair enough. Uh, Marnie, before we – do you think you – like I think you mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago, do you think you'll play for the club again? It's hard to tell and I don't want to – I, I want to give him the, the time that he needs and the space that he needs before jumping to conclusions like that. At this stage, it looks hard to, it seems hard to think that he will play another game for the club or any club for that matter. I don't know anyone who would want to touch him in the state that he's in at the moment, but what happens in the future tells a different story. Mm. I think you're, I think I'm, uh, you're pretty clear on what uh, your intentions are, Siobhan, and you don't want him at the club again, so I won't ask you that. Um, we'll move forward to more positive things. Uh, Good Friday, great crowd, 49,000. Best crowd at Marvel since 2013. We've found a future opponent uh, for Good Friday in Carlton, haven't we, uh, Siobhan? Absolutely. I really feel like it always should have been Carlton and North from the start. Just the proximity of both clubs to the Royal Children's Hospital. Um, I mean, Carlton are clearly a really big club. Um, I thought their supporters showed out in numbers. So did ours. Um, I just think the day just felt right um, for the first time in a long time. Maybe it was also um, the result that probably made it feel a little bit um more of a joyous experience, but certainly that the, the entire day and, and the great work that both clubs did with the, the hospital and um, the fundraising, it was a, an awesome um, matchup. And um, we usually match up pretty well against the Blues as well. So um, I think it's a, a great um, game going forward between the two clubs. I think both of them should just have the chance to, um, to grow the game together. Um, and there'll be certainly a lot of great contests um, going forward um, on the Good Friday uh, slot. Yeah. Uh, now, Siobhan makes a very, very good point there, Marnie. Too close to suburbs to the Royal Children's Hospital. They should have just given North and Carlton uh, the game straight away, shouldn't they? Really? Absolutely. I don't know why they did it in the first place. <laughs> this was the discussion when the Good Friday game was first brought to the table. This was what everyone thought the fixture should have been. So I'm glad we're, what, five, six years now into the Good Friday fixture and we finally got it right. So better late than never, I suppose. And hopefully it's just onwards and upwards for this rivalry from here. Yeah, absolutely. Full credit to the supporters as well. The atmosphere was really good. Probably the best um, uh, game of, um, as far as atmosphere goes, uh, I've uh, been to in a very, very long time. Uh, We'll move to the game now. Uh, How do you see it, Siobhan? Uh, We kind of talked about last week that Carlton would probably be about a five-goal better side. Uh, Without Griffin Logan, Ben Mackay in particular, the two big forwards proved the difference, didn't they? They did, Dean, and uh, I think uh, four uh, four men in yellow also were. Um, were <laughs> we'll talk about that. Don't worry. Bit of a difference in the game as well, but um, ultimately, I think if we did have Mackay and Logue, or even Logue um, up there um, to try and combat the influence of Kerno and Mackay, it may have been a different result. I do still think Carlton were the better team on the day, so take nothing away from them. But um, we we performed really well. Um, I was really really proud of the way um, we ended the game, especially I think in the past um, that easily could have been a a 10 goal loss. So the fight to actually get back in the game once the third quarter happened where Carlton just probably um, showed their class and sprinted away from us. um, That was an impressive factor in the game. But ultimately I think uh, when you have 10 goals kicked between two forwards, um, they combined for a pretty big score um, and looks threatening whenever Carlton were able to go inside 50, which we discussed last week, Dean, I think they, um, 
if they had got some decent supply, they would have troubled us. And I think the first part of the third quarter was where um, they probably tore the game open. Um, but in, from a North perspective, I couldn't have been more thrilled with the way we actually played the game. Um, and there were a few individuals that I thought were really impressive that we can touch on later. But overall, I was um, thrilled with the efforts, the intensity, um, the the way that we, we played, probably except for the first part of the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it was going to blow out to about a 10-plus goal loss um, when it got to about 39, 40 points um, halfway through the last. I was a bit worried there because I know the vultures in the media would have been um, yeah, right on us if it was 10-plus goals. But um, it was it was really important that we did fight back and we kicked the last three goals. And I think we're only about 10 seconds away from getting another goal because Darcy Tucker hit up Jaden Stevens in the forward pocket, but uh, the star in blue. Um, what about you, Marnie? Once the game opened up in the second half, we were going to struggle, weren't we? with the, our short defence. Totally. I think I'm everything that Siobhan said, I, I pretty much agree with. Um, I think we played excellent. Um, I think we, all I want this year, and I mean, I say this, but I was very frustrated for about a day and a half after the game. I just want that effort every week. The, Haw- the Hawthorne game is an outlier now in our season. We didn't show up in Launceston last week and we didn't perform the way we performed in rounds one, two and round four as well. I just, the way we play, the team defence is just so impressive. And I actually thought with the exception of obviously Bonner and Cole, I think a lot of it, obviously they were just totally out of their depth. You know, Kerno and Makai were really, really dangerous one, two punch, obviously. Um, And they were always going to have a field day on an undersized defence. But I think our backline, for the most part, actually stood up really, really well and was super impressive. I know we'll touch on individuals later, but, I mean, McDonald and Zeeble, I just, they were absolutely outstanding in defence. Um, I just, it, there's so many things that didn't go right for us before the game and then at the game. We obviously lost Logue. Mackay wasn't ready to come back. Nick Larkey's injured within the first five minutes of the game. He has a clash with Weedering. He's hurt his hip and that's it. He can barely walk for the rest of the game. You've got Cunnington who's clearly underperforming because yeah. he was subbed off. You've got LDU who still didn't look 100%. He played well, but not in that real damaging way that we're used to seeing him. It just, and then obviously the umpiring, I mean, we've spoken about that to death um, over the past few days, but it just, so much went wrong. And the fact that so much went wrong and we were within five goals of them by the final siren, I think that's a pretty fair effort. And I don't, I don't, I don't like being that person who's like, oh yeah, like, you know, a five goal loss isn't so bad, especially because I think we can actually start looking at a few games coming up you know, in the fixture in the next couple of months thinking we can actually probably win that now. It's a very different mindset that I probably had definitely last year, but even coming into the year. Um, but I just, I'm really proud of the way we played. I'm really pr- proud of the effort and I'm proud that we didn't give in. Like if this game was played 12 months ago, this would have been a blowout. Um, we would have, we would have just laid down at three quarter time, let them run all over us. We didn't, we fought back. And I think that's just, small changes uh, that are really making such a big difference in the first four rounds of the season. I, I was, I was really thrilled and it was a great day. It was great to be there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Yeah, no, this time, probably even six months ago, we we're probably looking at, you know, a 10-plus goal loss in, 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 in games like that. And you sort of half expected it. Whereas uh, the expectations have changed um, and we're sort of going, 
into games with a bit more hope as supporters, which is which is really good to see. Um, all right, let's talk about the umpires. Now, Siobhan, I've seen your tweets and you're a little frustrated with the umpires, it's fair to say, and you felt like they had a big influence on, in the game, which they did. Is that putting it too nicely? I've had some time to calm down. <laughs> if we've done this podcast straight after the game, I think we would still be uh, recording. Just the, the pure rage I felt. Um, at the end of the day, we missed a lot of opportunities and I think we did shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, I can't remember how many behinds we kicked, but there were um, many chances we had and we just blew them. Um, we did end up having more scoring shots. Um, we won the centre clearances. There were many aspects of the game we won. Um, the aspect of the game we didn't win, I felt, was probably the rub of the cream. Um, there were just – it was more the non-decisions that made me angry. I mean, I, I the Jaden Stevenson moment in the game, clearly that was a big, big patch in the game where if we kicked the goal, we would have hit the front again and, and he was – he had a great game and he went on that run and that was nine steps. The umpire blew the whistle and um, we, we kind of lost the ball then and then Carlton scored from that. There was that moment. Uh, I mean, Cam Zerha getting legitimately ca- ca- de- what am I trying to say? decapitated and um, <laughs> not playing a free kick. There were just moments like that. And I think the, the way Carlton kind of got their free kicks as well, a lot of them were – in front of goal and had a major impact on the way the game unfolded. So um, from my perspective, I think it was very frustrating to see um, the the calls that probably should have gone our way, not go our way. And every call that was line ball or maybe even not there probably go to the blues. So um, the Stevenson one made me the most angry just due to the the part of the game that that we were sitting at. but at the end of the day, um, you kind of have to be good enough to win. Um, we won a lot of the, the key stats and key areas in the game and just couldn't um, finish off as well as we could have, but certainly didn't get any assistance from uh, from the umpires. No, I think I got most frustrated with uh, Daniel Howe on the wing. Where he, it was a three-on-one situation. He beat them all to the ball. He got uh, his head taken off not once but twice right in front of the umpire, and he just said, no, nah, play on. Uh, and yeah. that, that that was probably Daniel Howe's greatest career moment, to be honest with you. He'd beaten three blokes. So, yeah, it was a bit frustrating on his part. Um, now, Marnie, I messaged you on Saturday, I believe, and said, what was worse, this game or the West Coast prelim final game? I don't think they were far off. We got screwed pretty hard, uh, I felt, in both games. Uh, thoughts on the umpiring? Yeah, I mean, I too have had time to calm down. I was definitely seeing red after the game and for quite some time after it. We didn't take our opportunities, as Siobhan mentioned. We had more scoring shots. Um, our forward line wasn't, unfortunately, wasn't functioning the way we probably would like it to have normally. Um, and while there were a few that did step up, um, there are plenty who didn't and really just butchered opportunities that they might have usually taken. Um, it does take maturity and nerve in those moments to kind of keep a cool head. And um, unfortunately, while there were quite a few soft free kicks that were paid, particularly in the, in that third quarter, I mean, they were soft, but there was there was a few of them that were there. And 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 obviously, we didn't um, we didn't get the same rub of the green. In that aspect, there were the Camzo Harp high in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was bleedingly obvious. The Jaden Stevenson call would completely change the momentum of the whole game. And that's when it just started to shift. And I just, it's so frustrating. And, you know, you want to blame it on the umpires. Sadly, we can't because we, you know, we had more scoring shots. We didn't make the most of our opportunities. Um, 
we didn't we didn't step up at times when we probably needed to, but it was frustrating. Um, but what's going to be more impressive is when we do start winning games when we're in situations like that. And that will come. I know it will. Um, so, yes, I was definitely angry after the game and I was pretty mad for quite some time after it, but I've moved on too. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm just trying to take the positives of the game and, and move on for it and look to, to next week. Yeah, I mean, talking about it uh, gives you therapy. So, yeah, uh, yeah it certainly helps. Uh, moving on with things. So, um, now, I want to talk to you girls about what we are missing. Uh, I think we are missing a small forward and maybe even a really defensive small defender because we've got Charlie Cameron coming up this week, which I'm a bit worried about. Um, what do you girls think? Uh, I'll start with you, Siobhan. Um, I think the most glaringly obvious um, missing piece of the puzzle is another key forward to help out Nick Larkey. Now, this show is not going to be about bashing Charlie Condon because he's only played a handful of games. But I still think having another tall forward um, alongside Nick Larkey will make a huge difference to A, our structure, B, the scoreboard, and C, I just think the overall presence of of the team on the ground. Um Common, I'm hoping we'll get there, but it just seems at the moment that he's not quite being able to hit the scoreboard. And also he just he seems to be getting to contest, but taking the mark or impacting um, is it, not currently working for him. Um, there, there's that and certainly a small defender um, and a small forward in another two areas. Because like you mentioned, Dean, um, the small forwards from the opposition usually get a hold of us. And other than maybe Luke McDonald um, down there, it's hard to kind of think of a matchup that can play on the dangerous smalls. And the other concern is probably the small forward area. I think, Paul Curtis at the moment isn't in the greatest vein of form. Um, he's one that we have there, and you could probably argue that Curtis Taylor's another small um, forward, but I think a, a genuine, like, Kasaya Pickett type, um, Charlotte Cameron is another example, um, that's that type of dangerous small um, we, we still find hard to, to score for, from those sort of players. Yeah, I mean, we've got uh, Kane Turner, who's playing, um, you know, that defensive sort of uh, forward role. Uh, he was on Adam Saad uh, for, for bits and pieces on, on Friday, and he'll play a role like that, but he's not going to damage you on the scoreboard. And, yeah, uh, Charlie Common, he might have a bit of pressure on him now. Uh, Callum Cohen-Jones came back through the reserves, Nick, last week, so there might be a little bit of pressure to um, perform. Uh, but at the moment, uh, you know, while uh, Callum Cohen-Jones is getting, um, you know, a some fitness into him. Uh, we'll probably just uh, stick with Charlie Combin and hopefully you can start plucking marks. I'd like to see him be used a bit better where he's on the lead and you know, he's a lead-up player and he can, you know, we lower our eyes a bit rather than just bombing along and hoping he can take a pack mark. What about yourself, Marnie? Did, um, you think um, you think uh, yeah, any positions on the ground that uh, we need uh, work on? I think in terms of like, personnel I think we do need a small defender I think that's the one area where we just we're really lacking um we're really lacking that key personnel that real you know shut lockdown play I'd be interested this week to see if Kane Turner actually goes back into the back line and plays on uh, on Charlie Cameron um that could be something that we see I don't know if you know how much Clarko is going to look to chop and change things but I we've got We've got the personnel that they're, they're just incomplete. I just find a lot of our players don't do enough and they just don't contribute enough. Stick with Kane Turner. I don't mean to pick on him, but his defensive work 
has been elite this year. I can't, I actually can't fault it. His tackling pressure, outstanding. His pressure acts, outstanding. His spoils, his smothers, all outstanding. But he's having like less than 10 possessions a game. He's not really hitting the scoreboard and he's a forward. That's what we need him to do. We need players with layers. We can't have one dimensional players. Charlie Combin, I love Charlie Combin and I want to see him succeed more than anything in the world. But again, one dimensional. He can bring the ball to ground. He can contest in the air, but he's, the marks aren't sticking. He's not really kicking goals either. There's just, it's too one dimensional. It's too flat. We need players that have got different elements to them. Cam Zerha is a really great example. I think he's had such an outstanding season. Now he missed, he hit three, four on the weekend. He could have had a lot more of an impact on the game than he did. But I thought he was outstanding. He's going into the middle, he's winning clearances and he's pushing up forward and he's kicking goals. He's creating opportunities. He's a bit of a live wire. That's what we need. We need more players who do more. It's not, it's not, it, 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 it's not putting unrealistic pressure on a small forward in Kane Turner or a key position forward like Charlie Combin to kick goals because that's what they're employed to do. That's what they're meant to be doing. So in terms of the personnel, I think the key, the, the small defender, I think that's something that we're missing. It's a hole that we have in the team. But in terms of what we're missing, we're missing levels and we're missing dimensions from our players. I just think a lot of our players Yes, they're young. And I mean, Kane Turner's not young. Again, I don't mean to keep going back to him, but we just need a little bit more from the players that are out there every week. So I think that we should be demanding more and should we should be receiving more of an output. So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of what we're missing. It's more the output that we're missing rather than the personnel. Yep. Well, fair, fair points there, um, Marnie. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, look, look I mean... Yeah, I think Clarko's got uh, certain players. He knows what their ceiling is. Uh, it's not very high for some of them, uh, but he's happy to give them a game. Um, and, yeah, I, I think Kane Turner is one of them. But, um, yeah, look, I think uh, Siobhan nailed it. We'd love to have a Cosea Pickett um, in, in the forward line, um, causing havoc. Um, those sorts of players are very hard to find. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how we go. I mean... It doesn't look like anything's happening with Phoenix Spicer or Jack Marnie, who are quite pretty poor in the reserves on the weekend. Obviously, tough conditions, but they only had about ten possessions between them, and that's not uh, that's not going to cut it at the moment. So, yeah, what what, what can you do? Um, yeah, as far as small defenders, um, I don't think we've got um, much else. You know, Luke McDonald is it? Uh, maybe Aaron Hall. What do you think about him? He hasn't had a look in at the moment, has he, Siobhan? And he doesn't look like it in the game. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week and you also ask about what we're missing in the team. I still think we're missing a genuine line-breaking half-back as well. I mean, you look at Adam Saad for Carlton and I get very jealous thinking, you know, you've got someone there that can really um, run the length of the ground from the back half. And um, as much as I love Jack Siebel and, and McDonald and all, all the fellas that are down there, you, you could probably run most of them down. Um, where Aaron Hall, I think he... He, yes, he can make mistakes with his foot, but he can take the game on and he can run and 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 carve up the the ground that way. So I am surprised to see him um, not in the side, um, especially when we dropped Josh Goda last week. And um, maybe his career at North, at North might actually be be finished um, if we're opting for youth and also not going for that um, sort of line breaking half back. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, we did talk about it last week. What are your thoughts on Imani? Um, is he like, I think he's 32 now. Uh, is he just out of favour and that, that might be it for him? 
I've always really liked Aaron Hall. I really enjoy the way he plays. Um, I think they're probably just now looking for the balance, that that, that perfect balance between youth and and maybe they just don't feel like there's a need for him in the side. I think our backline's held up quite well um, this year, given the amount of youth that we do have in there. We've obviously had Bergman in there. We've had Goda in there, there as well. Um, so I feel like between them, they've, they've really contributed quite well. They obviously, all haven't um, Goda and Bergman haven't played every game. But um, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're moving on. I think the experience that we do have in the side at the moment is where we need it. Um, there's enough experience in the back line with Zebel and McDonald. Um, so maybe maybe we're just looking on, we're, we're moving on now. And I, I'm not, I like Aaron Hall, I really do, but I'm not, I'm not crying out for him to come back into the side personally. No, well, that's, yeah, that's that's fair enough, I guess. Uh, while we're talking about Jack Zebel, uh, Siobhan, he's been very consistent in that back half. 29 possessions, 82% disposal efficiency, a team high seven intercepts, um, do you think he would um, struggle to get a – did you think, yeah, at the start of the year would struggle to get a game this year? Oddly enough, no. Like, I think I was one of kind of many few that sort of thought that um, – I, I was – sorry, I was, I was one of a few that thought that he would play a regular game in the seniors. He's been so impressive, and I don't know whether relinquishing the captaincy has now allowed him to kind of um, release the shackles a bit, but – He's always – I think a lot of people have always had a problem with Jack Zebel because he he dumps the, his kicks. But I think even that's improved. What we've never had to question with him is his toughness, his competitiveness, and his willingness to put his body on the line for his teammates. He's continued to do that um, and also find a lot of the ball. Um, I think he's improved as a one-on-one -on -one defender. I mean, I wouldn't like to see him probably against Harry Mackay again, but um, certainly uh, on the smaller types, he's um, competitive. Um, and it's just great to see him really enjoying his footy, I think. I think the numbers speak for themselves in that he's actually enjoying himself out there and um, found a role in the team where he can help guide the youth, but also get the best out of himself late in his career. And he's certainly not... Um, fading into retirement in a, a negative way. I think he's going out with a bang when he does decide to hang up the boots. Yeah, I mean, just turned 32 years old and he's playing as good footy as I've seen him. Now, I was a bit surprised last year, I think we talked about it last week, that um, three rounds in, they put him back to the forward line and he really struggled uh, in that role. But um, you've been a big uh, advocate for him as well, Marnie. It's a good story, isn't it? It is. He's always been one of my favourites. Um, I... I spoke about this a lot last year. I think that he really needed to hang up the boot, hang up the boots, uh, pass off the captaincy at the end of last year, and just start to enjoy his footy again because he he struggled last year. And I think that you you've got to remember with Jack, he kind of took on the captaincy during a, a, a huge decline of the club and the pressure that would have put on him as a player and as an individual. I think a lot of people would really underestimate that. So. It's a, new, it's a fresh start for him. He could just go out, enjoy his football, and he's been excellent. He would almost be leading our best and fairest at this early point in the season. I think he's been outstanding. His disposal efficiency has been incredible. His spoiling and his intercepting has been fantastic. And he's a warrior, and he always has been. And now he's just letting that shine. And I'm just – I could not be happier 
to see him playing like this because I think this is the Jack Zebel that we know and this is the Jack Zebel that we're kind of giving him the freedom to be. He doesn't need to be anything other than himself. He's always going to be a leader. It's his personality and it's his legacy at the club. But he doesn't need to be a leader as a captain. He could just be the leader of a group. And I think that just suits his personality really well. There's no pressure. It's freedom. There's enjoyment. And he can just go and play footy. And he's playing so well. And it's, you know, I couldn't be happier. I really couldn't be happier for him. Yeah, he gave away a couple of free kicks, but that happens in the you know, heat of the contest. But uh, going at 89% disposal efficiency so far this season, which is second in a team, uh, Aiden Bonner is coming first uh, in his two games at 100% disposal efficiency. But, um, yeah, he's only had a handful of touches, so probably doesn't really mean much. Um, Siobhan, I won't talk much about LDU and Sheasel because everyone talks about them and we know how great they are. Um, we, Marnie, you mentioned Zerha. Now, Three goals, four behinds with one out of the four on the weekend. 17 disposals, nine centre bounce attendances with a couple of clearances. He seems to be relishing that balance of midfield and forward line quite well, doesn't he? Siobhan, you there? Sorry, oh, Dean. You might as well go to you. Are you there? Sorry, Dean. I missed the last part of your question. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. Uh, no, I'll, I'll go again. Uh, yeah, uh, it's Cameron Zerha. Three goals, four with one out of the four, 17 disposals. Nine centre bounce attendances with a couple of clearances. He seems to be uh, uh, relishing that balance of midfield and forward line quite well, doesn't he? He he looks like a completely different player in terms of his actual physical physique as well. Um, I thought he dropped a little bit of weight, got a little bit slimmer, um, and it clearly he's got the engine to, to run through the midfield now. And um, he's just that explosive type as well. Um, we talk about LDU and his breakaway speed. I think Zoha is very similar, but he's also got that brute strength as well. And he could have been in for a big day if he'd kicked accurately. I think if um, one thing he can take away from the Good Friday game is probably to – to straighten up his kicking um, and at times he probably could have passed the ball off um, and it's, he sometimes goes for that miracle shot, which I know all of us think he can probably hit, but maybe just being a bit more kind of unselfish in that area. Um, but well and truly we, we found something there with him being able to pinch hit in the midfield. Um, he, he looks good. He's tough um, and he, he's burst in there, usually resulting in us getting a clearance. So um, it's been a great move um, and I think we'll see it for the rest of the year and hopefully the rest of his career. Well, I think it, it, it'll happen. Like, he probably won't attend too much in advance. It'll probably be between 5 and 10, maybe 15. Uh, things are going really well. But uh, it's a good balance for him. Had a career high um, disposals last week. Uh, great use of the English language. I think it was 24 or something last week. So, yeah, and he seems to – yeah, he even said in an interview that it's, it's better than sitting in the forward line getting four touches all the time. So, yeah, no, he seems to be relishing that role. Uh, I guess he could have won us the game if he kicked straight uh, Marnie last week. Yeah, he could have. He was on fire. I thought he was excellent as well. Um, I think he really just took ownership. I think it was obviously it was obvious to him that, that Larky was just not right from pretty much the get-go, five minutes into the game. We basically lost him. So I think he really stood up. I think that's a real that's a real sign of maturity and growth from um from Cam Zohar, I think. I thought he was excellent. Um, again, would have really liked him to nail a couple more of those goals. Um, that would have probably done more justice to his game because I think he played very, very well. Um, and I think that he's he plays with aggression and he plays with, he plays on edge, which I think is a really rare thing to find in a lot of players these days. A lot of players are too nice or you know potentially a bit timid as well. He's not. I mean, he's he. he 
he also had his fair share of taking people's heads off during the game and one too many high fend offs, I think, for Cam. Um, but he was excellent. And I mean, that's what you want. You want someone that plays with aggression. You want someone that's passionate, that's emotional, um, because you get the best out of those players. I mean, he really looked to take take the game on his shoulders and, and took a bit of responsibility for how we were playing and where we were going. And I, I think that, yeah, he, he was a really, really, really great contributor for us on Friday. Elite, some might say. So I know you're a big fan. I'll stick with you, Marnie. I know you're a big fan of Hugh Greenwood. He was very influential when he came on the other night. 11 disposals, a team high four clearances, four tackles, tackles as well. Should he be in our starting 22 this week? Yes, never leave that man <laughs> out of the starting 22 again. He was incredible. He has a team high four clearances in a, in a quarter and five minutes. I just, I couldn't, I actually couldn't believe it. The game completely changed when he came back, when he came onto the ground, he was subbed on. I think he's an excellent sub, but, and I think that that actually, that really does suit him, but not the way he's playing at the moment. He's too good to be, he's too playing way too well to be the sub. He completely changed the game. I'm surprised. I thought they should have brought him on at half time. I mean, I'm not going to tell the greatest coach of all time how to how to coach and what to do. I thought that they would have brought Larky off at half time, put Goldstein up forward, and then let Hugh Ruck for the game for the second half, um, maybe interchanging with Combin. But I think that he was just explosive when he came on. He was so influential at the time, and I never want to see him left out of that 22 again. I will ride this horse and flop it to death because <laughs> I just I love him I absolutely love him and I, I think that he is just such an important piece to our side at the moment um that I would just I would I would just be playing him as much as I can fair enough I, I can only imagine uh if you get that excited when I just mentioned his name here excited you must get it at a game uh seeing here Greenwood so yeah no I'm, uh, I love the passion uh Siobhan your thoughts on him he was really good um, when he came on the ground. And, I mean, this is a, probably a completely different um, topic of conversation. But at the moment, if you're going to be picking either Ben Cunnington or Hugh Greenwood, you'd probably be picking Hugh Greenwood in terms of that bull in the midfield that can tackle win clearances, um, has that sort of um, ball-winning ability. I think you'd probably be going with Greenwood because when he came on, um, he looked to change the game for us out of there. So um, I agree with Marnie in that he was, he's been really impressive this year and probably shouldn't have lost his spot. Um, but I don't think you should start a sub again. I think you should start in the best 22. Well, 25 mils of rain predicted on Saturday in our game. So I think he's probably in line to play and play in the midfield because you'd like a contest, um, especially if the ball's wet uh, for the whole game. So he might be a very, uh, very big chance. And you can play him and Ben Cunnington in there, really, um, if it's going to be that wet. And uh, if things aren't going well, you can sub one of them out. So, yeah, no, it's fair points there, Siobhan. Now, I might as well get your opinions for this player. Uh, Marnie, Daniel Howe, how do you think he went? I have nothing more to say about that. <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time or energy. Not a bad first half. I'll give him credit where he's due. And one thing I do like about Daniel Howe is he stands his ground. Like he's all, you know, in a marking contest, he doesn't fall to pieces, you know, when someone comes within a meter of him or, or whatever. But that's, I mean, if that's the only positive I've got, we're really clutching at straws here, aren't we? <laughs> uh, Siobhan, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, will he play his 100th game, career game this week? 
I actually think he will. <laughs> if he if he hasn't been dropped at this point, um, I did think he was okay on Friday. Um, I my one gripe is just I still don't know what his actual role is. Like, what what is he? Uh, yeah. That's the part that I'm a bit confused with, but I, I genuinely think he'll probably play against uh, that the the Lions and probably notch up his hundredth game. Um, there are certain players that sometimes, as much as you're saying like why are they not getting dropped, they just don't. And I think Daniel Howe may be one of those, unfortunately for us. Yeah, if Mer- Bergman should be uh, due to come back in this week, and I think that's a like for like re- uh, replacement. He's been playing half back, so I think Bergman would be the better option. But um, yeah, no, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, we- we've been surprised by a few selections um, this year, so yeah, we'll we'll wait and see on Thursday night. Uh, I want to talk about a few of these players: Kane Turner, Curtis Taylor, and Paul Curtis have all come in for some scrutiny the last few weeks and have been called to be dropped on different occasions. Do you think any of those players are facing the axe? Maybe not this week, but in future weeks, Marnie? I think, unfortunately, there's no pressure coming from the VFL. I mean, you've got Phoenix, Spicer, Jack Marnie and Eddie Ford, who all have been very ordinary um, at VFL level. And I still think that the trio that's in the 22 in Turner um Paul Curtis Curtis Taylor they are the better three I wouldn't be dropping any of them for the other three who are in the VFL based if you're just basing it even on talent alone I think I think I mentioned it earlier I think Kane Turner is still contributing I actually think he's had a really good start to the year he's just one-dimensional I mean all he does is all he does is is, is plays as a defensive forward we don't get the forward part of it. It's just the all defense at the moment. But I think he's playing well. It's the pressure acts, it's the tackling, it's you know, the the spoils and, and the smothers, that sort of thing. It's not they're not high possession games, he's not really hitting the scoreboard, but he's he's I think he's doing enough to have an influence on the game. Um the other two, Curtis Taylor, Curtis Taylor and Paul Curtis, uh, they've been quite disappointing for me. Um and I think with Jaden Stevenson now is sort of starting to come around and, and sort of starting to show glimpses of his best form again. He was excellent on Friday, I thought. Um, they've got to start. They've got to start picking up their act a little bit. Paul Curtis, I think, especially he was really an excitement machine for us last season, and I, he's kind of gone off the boil a little bit. I think you persist with both of them. I think both of them do have a role to play, and I think that they will come good eventually. But I wouldn't, to answer your question, no, I wouldn't be dropping any of them anytime soon because there's absolutely no pressure coming from uh, from VFL level. And I would be hesitant to bring any of the three players in the VFL over the three currently playing at the AFL. Fair enough. Uh, your thoughts, Shrivel? Yeah, Marnie makes some great points there in that I still would like to see more from Curtis Taylor. Um, I don't know what I'm hoping from him, but it's not what he's currently producing. I think there's more left in the tank for him um, in terms of goals and also uh, possessions and and big kind of more his influence on the game. Um, And I think Paul Curtis is just a little bit down at the moment. Um, But what he produced in his first year, let's not forget he's in his second year. Um, It was marvellous. I think he clearly should have been the best first-year player um, and was really uh, solid in his first year. And so some players just 
drop off a little bit in their second year. I think that's what's happening with Paul Curtis. He's still contributing, but not in the kind of the same way we expect him to. Um, and uh, Turner is Turner. I mean, when, when, when the day I see him get more than sort of 10 touches will be a small miracle. Um, and I think that's just the standard that we expect from him um, is that he's mediocre and for whatever reason that just continues to be um, rewarded with games. So, um Amani makes a point in that. Now, I don't think anyone's telling Kane Turner that he has to move out of the team um, because the VFL performance last week, unfortunately, wasn't groundbreaking. So um, those those three probably remain. Yeah, I spoke to Ricky earlier today and he sort of said Paul Curtis, his defensive pressure has been a little bit off as well. Like he was, his last few games last year, he was getting four to six tackles a game, basically. Whereas most games this year, I think all games this year, it's between being between zero and two. And that's probably an area of the ground he's got to work on. And Curtis Taylor, he did mention that he's probably, he's got to use the ball a bit better as well. Um, going inside 50, he's been prone to the turnover as well. So I'm not too sure what his disposal efficiency is at the moment, but it'll probably be right near the bottom, uh, to be honest with you. And that's something he's got to work on. So a couple of little fixes there for those boys. Um, and like uh, Marnie said, we don't, they don't really have much pressure going on, uh, Beneath them, um, there's no real pressure. So it's up to them to rectify it and, um, yeah, and up to the VFL boys to start creating that pressure as well. Now, only two more weeks till Goldstein's 300th game. Uh, Marnie, should we try and save that uh, in a, or just play it in Gold Coast next weekend? Um, I'd like to, to go and see it against Melbourne at MCG in a couple of weeks' time on a Saturday night. What are your thoughts on that? Or you, you don't really care? No, the romance, the romance factor for me is let him let him play the game, um, let him play the game in in Melbourne, you know, in front of a home crowd, all of that sort of thing. The team and North Melbourne supporter in me says we could win that game against Gold Coast, and we need him to play. We can't, we can't. There's no way that he can miss that game. And he's playing. He's going to play on. He's going to play this weekend in Adelaide. So, I think that I like the idea of him playing his 300th game at home. But I think getting that win against the Gold Coast, which is a winnable game, we don't play well at Metricon, but the Gold Coast look quite shaky at the moment. And I think that's a really a game we could really win. And I think that we need him. So as much as I would love that to ha- that to happen in Melbourne, I will celebrate his 301st game just as hard as I would his 300th, regardless. Fair enough. Here in Melbourne. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, your thoughts, Siobhan? I, 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 have you got the romantic, yeah, uh, romanticism in, in you about it all? Or just I uh, think, look, Marnie makes a good point. We're a chance to beat him um, the way on current form. I absolutely do. And genuinely, when I saw Goldstein miss the game against West Coast in round one, I thought, ah, Clarkson's probably doing some of this so that he plays his 300th in Melbourne. But clearly with Sherry out with the syndesmosis injury, the game against Gold Coast is an extremely winnable game. I mean, they're going just as well as Hawthorne at the moment. So it'd be nice to win the game. And I think what Todd Goldstein's done throughout his entire career is be a selfless player. And I've got no doubt that in this circumstance, he probably would rather be celebrating it in Melbourne, but will play um, to ensure the team has a win or there's more progression within the unit rather than just for himself, um, which, yeah, probably to 
typifies Todd Goldstein and, and the way he's gone about his whole um, football career, especially with that opportunity to leave North. Um, he just decided that he loved the club too much. And, um, yeah, we love him, but it, we might not be able to celebrate um, his 300th in Melbourne. While I'm on that, um, if you had to take a guess, do you, Marty, do you think this will be his last year in AFL football? Um, I my my gut tells me probably. Um, mm. I can tell a difference this year in his game. He's still having an impact. He uh, he was another one who was excellent on um on Friday. The decision to start with Sherry against West Coast in round one and leave Goldstein out of the side probably indicated to me that there's an exit plan in place. Whether that's this year, whether that's next year, I think we would if we have any more football left in him beyond this year. I think next year would definitely be the last one. Uh, but with the Sherry injury and then Coleman Jones, even though he returned to the VFL, he had a good return, but it was nothing mind-blowing. I don't know if we're ready as a club to let go of Todd Goldstein, um, at least not fully. Um, so I'd be really interested to see how the year plays out. I think it's too early to tell. I think the Sherry injury probably throws a spanner in the works a little bit. Um but, I mean, I would keep him around until he was 100 if I had it my way, to be honest. I love the man to death. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's too early to tell, though, um, on that one. Yeah, probably it's four rounds in. Uh, hypothetical, I guess. Uh, Siobhan, do you think he's got another year left in from what you're seeing? Personally, probably not. I think round one indicated to us that Clarkson's probably going down the Tristan Sherry path and even the Callum Coleman-Jones path. Um, so to be honest with you, I think this year is when he bows out um, and he bows out as a legend of North Melbourne. So um, as much as I'd like to set, see him like Marnie play for the rest of his life, I think um, Sherry or Coleman-Jones become the, the number one ruck um, from 24 onwards. Yeah, no, I probably slightly agree with you, but yeah, it could go either way. I think Marnie uh, mentioned it uh, pretty, uh, said it pretty well. That uh, yeah, it's a bit too early to tell, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes over the course of the year. Now, moving forward, tough matchup against the Lions this week. Uh, Marnie, are we a chance? Do you think twenty-five mils of rain predicted? So it looks like a bit of a wet one. I mean, I always go in thinking we're a chance. That is the delusional North Melbourne supporter in me. Uh, it's on neutral territory. Um, I guess it's anyone's game. Brisbane are coming off a red hot win against Collingwood on Thursday night. So I think it makes, it makes a very difficult case for us. I just, like I said, like I said, you know, the last few weeks, I just want us to have a crack. I want us to bring the same effort, the same pressure, the same heat that we brought to Marvel on Friday. Um, and I think that, I think that our best really is good enough to challenge most sides in the competition, which is unbelievable to say, and it's so good to say, whether that gets us the four points or not, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, the delusional North Melbourne supporter in me thinks we're a chance every single week, so I'm just going to roll with that and I'm just going to put it out there. I'll put the good vibes out there and hopefully it comes back to me. Yeah, it's a good week to go three and two, uh, Marnie. So Absolutely. It's a great week to go three and two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hasn't worked so well the last couple of weeks. Uh, Siobhan, what do you think? Look, if I'm being realistic, um, I'd probably say that, that Brisbane just probably have too much firepower. But in saying that, how impressive is our midfield? I mean, we have been 
so good the first four rounds of the season. And if we can break even or do one better in that area of the ground again, you just never know. Um, I'm worried a little bit about the health of Nick Larkin. Um, I think that's something that we probably all overlooked a little bit when we played the Blues is that we were effectively playing with um, without Larky. I think that he was severely hampered. So um, by the looks of it, he will play. But at what capacity, I'm not sure. Um, so to win, I think we probably need um, a big bag out of out of Larks. Um, Cameron's going to be the real danger for the Lions, isn't he? He's, um, he's a very good footballer. But I have no doubt the midfield will will certainly um, challenge Brisbane and the, the rain will help. Um, they're big blokes. They're on and off, aren't they? Hipwood and Danaher. They're, they're not always reliable to kick a bag. So um, we're absolutely a chance. And I think the way Clarkson has us playing, we're, we're a chance every week. Um, just if we bring that same effort and intensity that we did against the Blues, um, we're, we're a big chance. The only thing I, I do sort of forecast happening um, is that maybe we'll be competitive for a while and Brisbane might put their foot down um, in in one of the quarters and probably streak away. But in, in no way, shape or form am I thinking that we're going to lose the game by a big margin, which is something that um, is a new feeling, um, especially when, when we play the big boys like Brisbane and um, the top four sides. I, I go into the game thinking well, we will be at least um, competitive. Yeah, good points uh, in the midfield. Fourth in clearances this year in the midfield. And even when we do lose uh, centre clearances, our setup behind the ball has been really good. We're not conceding too many scores from centre clearances. We're actually um, not too bad in that area. We're about middle of the pack. Whereas last year, I think uh, Ricky said we we're 18th in both areas. So, yeah, and we, we did get scored against once we lost a clearance. So, yeah, no, very good points there, Siobhan. Uh, Marnie? There's going to be probably three changes at least this week. Uh, I'm going to tip that you want Greenwood in, so that'll be the fourth. Uh, we've got Mackay, Bonner, Bergman back. Um, do you think all of them come in? Oh, I'd say they all would. Um, oh, not Bonner. Uh, Mackay, Blow, I should say, not not Bonner, uh, to come back in. Um, who do you think could possibly go out of that team? Well, I definitely. I have a feeling I know who you're going to say for one of them. Well, I definitely want Greenwood in the side as well. So yes, you're correct on that. Yeah. So that's. I. That's one. Um, I really struggle with um Ivan Caller. I have to be honest with you. I I acknowledge that he was definitely out of his depth playing. Um, both he and Bonner were out of their depth playing on on Mackay and Kerno, but. The difference, and uh, look, I, I, I'd take Bonner out anyway, but I just find Core a bit lazy. I've just got to be honest, and it, it's it's harsh because I know he was definitely out of his depth on Friday, but for me, he just doesn't work hard enough. He's a talented player. We brought, you know, we brought him in for a reason. We've seen him match up on some of the best forwards in the competition and actually beat them comprehensively. But for, I just I think we could have had more from him on Friday. Him being the number one defender in that side, I just don't think he did enough. So on that, I probably would take Bonner and I would take Core out of the side. I would probably replace Howe as well with. Uh, I would replace Howe with Bergman. I'd also I'd keep Greenwood in the side. I would, and I would also keep Tucker in the side. I thought Tucker was outstanding in his good. first full game for North uh, on the weekend as well. 
So whether Phillips or Powell or Cunnington even come come from the team and, and play as the sub, uh, that's that's something I'm not too certain certain about. And Nick Larkey, I mean, Siobhan mentioned it. he he was barely functioning uh, on the weekend, and I actually thought he was at some points a bit of a liability. I mean, we just couldn't compete with anything, really. Um, so whether he actually stays at home and um, Callan Coleman Jones takes the flight over. I don't know. And then the other one is Wardlaw. Is Wardlaw ready? I mean, uh, he's not far either. He's probably, if not ready now, he's ready in the next one to two weeks. I think there's quite a few names that probably will be thrown around, um, you know, over the next coming days. But definitely a new look backline, and I'm really looking forward to those to those ins as well. I was thinking today that core might get dropped dropped as well. Um, you weren't the only one thinking about that. Just on balance, uh, because you get Mackay and Logie, if there's going to be 25 mils of rain, you probably don't need the third tall. I mean, Zeebel can play as that third tall, and he played as a second third tall on the weekend anyway. So I was thinking that as well. Uh, Siobhan, your thoughts on the team changes this week? Yeah, because the VFL performed so poorly, it's hard to see anyone really losing their spot, um, even though they may sort of require a stint in the VFL. I'm really interested to see what Alistair Clarkson does with Ben Cunnington because Cunnington is clearly one of the best to ever pull our jumper on. But is it detrimental to have him continue playing in the midfield when he just doesn't seem like he's the same player? Um, do they just start Greenwood and maybe have Cunnington as the sub? That's probably the big question I have. Um, clearly, Mackay and, and Logue come straight back in because they're two um, quality defenders. I, I still think Aiden Bonner is not a defender. Um, I won't judge him on the game on the weekend because I actually think he did a fairly admir- admirable job against the Twin Towers. So um, I've got no doubt that um, he could perform against a smaller type forward, but even then I'm still not sure. So um, I'd probably say he comes out of the team. Um, Great point, Marnie. I thought Tucker was awesome in his first game for the club. Um, I didn't know he was so clean with his ball use. So um, he's one that certainly stays in the team for me. Um, I thought Stevenson performed really well, so he's not going anywhere. Um, Hopefully he can replicate um, the performance on Friday again. Um, but as for team changes, this is it's really tough because um, clearly we've got two quality players coming back in. Bergman's a huge chance to come back in the team as well. Um, I, I'm hoping Eddie Ford gets an opportunity soon. Um, so whether or not Clarkson um, opts for a, a Curtis Taylor or a, even a Paul Curtis at this point um, to have a rest and bring in um, Ford to see how he goes. Um, he's just really unlucky with not getting an opportunity. Um, and he's a like-for-like for one of those two players. So potentially seeing um, Ford come in for his first game for the season as well. Yeah, I think Barney mentioned that he hasn't been on fire in the VFL as well. So I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity. I think Liam Shields might be due for a rest possibly. Um, if you're going to bring in four changes, maybe maybe just give him a rest this week, um, you know, interstate trip. So, yeah, um, we'll see how we go with that anyway. Um Final prediction, Marnie, for the game against Lions? I mean, I just am so anti-gather round at this point. I'm just excited for the weekend <laughs> to be over. I just, 
As a North Melbourne supporter, you look at that fixture and there's eight games being played in Adelaide and there's one game being played in a paddock an hour away from the CBD. No disrespect to the great people at Adelaide Hills, but honestly, don't don't give me that fixture and expect me to take it seriously or be excited about it. I'm just looking forward to the weekend being over and we can just get back to regular programming. Yeah, I, I feel the same way to be honest with you, but I'm happy footy's on. But, uh, yeah, no, this whole round, um, yeah, no, I'm not, not a big fan of it. What about yourself, Siobhan? Uh, final prediction and your uh, thoughts on the on the round this week? Marnie has nailed it there. I think um, <laughs> yeah. it's borderline disrespectful to the football club to actually have it played where it is. Um, I think we're probably expecting a, a whopping crowd of about 5,000. So, um, I'm yeah, I'm disappointed to see us be placed there um and also i'm not a huge fan of gather round i think maybe i'm a little bit biased because i'm from melbourne but um if you're going to have a round of footy why not have it in melbourne where you've got um the mcg and and some other great venues as well but um in saying that i i do think that north will be competitive once again but i do have brisbane probably um winning the game by about three or four goals um I just had this gut feeling that one day very soon will probably take a really big scalp again. I mean, Frio was a big scalp over in Perth, but um, we're building towards another win. I just don't really see it being this week. But in saying that, we're not playing Brisbane and Cabo, which is clearly their preferred um, preferred venue. So um, let's just see what happens. I, I, but I, I do think Brisbane are probably just going to be too um, polished and classy on the day. Yeah, I mean they're very they've been a very difficult team this season uh, at the Gabba compared to every other ground. So I'm certainly hoping that can, that trend continues this week because they've been pretty poor um, outside of the Gabba. And yeah, um, we'll, we'll wait and see. I suppose Ho- hopefully, yeah, that uh, that will continue. Well, ladies, it's been a pleasure. Anything final uh, to add, Marnie? Before I let you go, Hugh Greenwood stays in the side for the rest of the year. Oh, very good. Um, what happens if he breaks a leg? Does that uh, you still want him out on crutches yep. or in a wheelchair? Yep. Just or... wrap it up. Just wrap it up and get him back out there. Well, no, and him he's a pretty tough character, so he probably would go out there and play. Um, Siobhan, any final thoughts? No, just go Bruce. Um, I'm so thrilled with the way we're playing. I think um, I just want to make mention of the fact that. Last year, I know Marnie and I, when we did the podcast, a lot of the time we were very um, negative and really not worried, but I guess bracing ourselves for the next contest against a, a quality team. And, and this year, I, I, like Marnie mentioned before, I'm actually positive playing a really good team just to see kind of how far we've come again. So, um, no, excited for the game and looking forward to seeing um, the Joeys once again show why we certainly might be winning the Wooden Spoon this year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, it's very hard to get the energy when uh, you're talking uh, and getting flogged every week by 10-plus goals. Uh, I think we break the record for the most 40-point uh, uh, consecutive losses uh, in a season. So, yeah, no, it was uh, it was very tough last season. And this year, you can, you can see the light. Finally, we can see the light. So, yeah, which is really good. Well, I really enjoyed chatting to you girls. It's been a pleasure and it's been good therapy. I uh, can't wait to do this again very soon. Uh, you have a great night, Siobhan. You too, Dean, and great to be back on with you, Marnie. Marnie, thank you so much uh, for coming on as well. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Siobhan. It is a pleasure as always. Absolute pleasure to catch up with those girls and chat to them about all things North Melbourne. It's been great therapy. 
so don't forget, I did a show earlier tonight, uh, earlier this this afternoon, I should say, with Ricky, ravishing Ricky Mangides, I should say. So make sure to check that out. Make sure to check out both shows. Um, it's a lot of content for you, so yeah, check it out. I should be back tomorrow night as well. I should be getting uh, Troy Makepeace on. So plenty of content this week um, to yeah listen to, I guess. So from different people and d- different perspectives on how we're going and talk about uh, yeah all things North Melbourne, which is a lot of fun for me. So that's it. Once again, thanks to all you lovely listeners for all the likes, retweets, and comments. Five-star reviews and ratings, four-star reviews and ratings, whatever you uh, lovely listeners do, I'm, I'm happy with. Uh, you're putting a show out there to uh, all your friends and family and whoever else, so I couldn't be happier. That's it. Um, like I said, I'll be back tomorrow night with Troy Makepeace, hopefully. If not, I'll be back... Um, I'm not too sure when I'll be back after that, but I should be back tomorrow night anyway. So thank you very much. So tonight, I will leave a shout-out to 6Kino, at 6Kino. Bye for now, and go Roos.